Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Q. I want to start a series called Cling. This is going to be a five-part series, best I can tell. And every one of them is going to be titled the same. Cling to Jesus. Cling to Jesus. Cling to Jesus. You know, we have one thing, and that's Jesus. Everything else is below the name of Jesus. If we're going to cling to something in our time of need, in our time of desperation, when we have nothing else to hold on to. Jesus is the thing that we need to cling to. Jesus is the answer to the problem that we have. He is the solution to whatever conflict is happening in your life. He is the peace, the joy, the hope that you're looking for, that maybe even you, that I pray that you have. He is everything that you need to cling to. The subtext of this lesson title is over your comfort. Cling to Jesus over your comfort. That's what I want to talk to you about today. How do we cling to Jesus even when it's uncomfortable for us? I'm teaching today out of chapter 15 of John, if you want to go ahead and turn there. But our responsibility is to cling. When in a world that decided some generations ago that it would no longer adhere to the truth, the church is responsible for the truth. I'm going, to sing a, I'm going to sing a very pointed song today, just so you know. I sent this, I've told the other services this, I'll go ahead and tell y'all. I send my sermon to Pastor Rick every week, or try to, um, just because I trust him and it's important that he checks my theology and I want to be accountable. And he said, don't forget the grace. <laughs> After reading this one, he goes, that's good, don't forget the grace. The grace is in the fact, you're going to find the grace in this as you search for the truth. Because Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the source of our grace. But this is going to be a very intentionally pointed message, just so you know. Because the church largely has become impotent for the mission it's been given. And we need to stop. <laughs> the church has stopped clinging to the truth. And instead, as we've allowed preachers, pastors, leaders, elders to compromise and substitute the truth for what makes us comfortable. We have searched after those people that make us comfortable for those that cry, safety, safety. I'll tell you, God condemns that talk. We have to declare the truth. We have to declare Jesus. Jesus is the truth. I want to make very clear to you, I'm going to talk about the truth today. The truth, the truth, the truth. So let me define what the truth is. The truth is Jesus. When I say cling to the truth, I'm talking about Jesus. Consider the two the same. The Bible says in John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, I am, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. This is a declarative statement. There's no room for compromise here. He said, I'm not your version of the truth. I'm not the truth that makes you comfortable. I'm the truth, and whether you like it or not, it's true. And Jesus is the only truth that we have. I'm feeling like a 1930 revivalist today. 
But somebody has to realize we have to come to a place where it doesn't matter what makes us happy. It doesn't make us matter what makes us superior. It doesn't matter what makes us successful. It doesn't matter any of those things. The only thing that matters is that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, and that message needs to get out. And He has conditioned us. He has blessed us. He has given us the responsibility through reconciliation to get that message out even if it costs us everything. That's good. Preach. Preach. I feel like I can walk away right now. But I'm not going to. i got more to say. We live in a world that says, but you don't know my truth. I'm going to say this. It's going to sound harsh. I don't care about your truth if it contradicts the truth. This is the truth. This reveals the redemptive plan of God from start to finish through His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the truth that we have to declare. Whether we like it, whether it wins us friends, causes us to lose influence, this is the truth. Jesus is who we are to cling to, period. Even at the expense of our own comfort. Why? Because people are dying and going to hell. And that's as black and white as I can say it. People don't say that enough. People are dying and going to hell. And we're sitting on our hands in the church, mad because it's too hot, mad because it's too cold, mad because the chair is not comfortable. They're not singing my kind of worship music. (coughs) And so we end up going to a church where they're going to make us feel good about us. God saved your soul and gave you a mission and a responsibility. Cling to Him. Tell people about who I am. We serve an ideology, a theology. We serve a way of life. And that way of life is the truth. It's time the church starts acting like it. I've had, I've heard the questions. I've asked myself, sadly, the questions. What if I don't play the kind of music they want? Will they come back next week? What if it is too hot in the sanctuary? Will they come back next week? What if I don't sing the old hymns? Will they come back next week? Or what if I sing the new songs? Will they come back to church next week? What would you do if the air conditioner went out? We lost electricity. I removed all the chairs and asked you to do for one hour every Sunday what I do three times every Sunday, and that's stand. Would you come back next week? The answer to those questions should be yes. Because the God we serve is big enough and deserves a yes. He saved our soul. And so when it's uncomfortable for us, when it's not convenient for us, when there are other things going on in our life that we've determined to be more important than Him, we need to come back to a place where we say, no, we're going to cling to Jesus. But you don't understand, man, I like my Sunday football. Jesus Christ died on a cross so that you'd have an opportunity to tell people about Him, and you're worried about a football game? Some of y'all could tell me the rules of football better than you can tell me the Word of God, and that's a disgrace.
I told you, I, if you're visiting today, I'm not normally like this. Actually, I'm almost always like this. But I believe God has given us a responsibility, and that is to cling to the truth, the only truth, and that truth is Jesus. And they didn't like him for it, and so they won't like you for it. But that's okay. God never said, tell them, unless they're going to be mad at you. This is what he said. If the world hates you, starting in verse 18 of 15, chapter 15 of John. <clears throat> if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world loves its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, and they did, they will also persecute you, and they will. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse for their sin. It's not that they wouldn't have sin. They wouldn't have been aware of their sin. So they wouldn't have known that they were living wrong. When people find out they're living wrong and they have to make a decision, they're going to hate you for it. I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they both have seen and hated me and my father as well. But they have done this to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Verse 26. When the Helper comes, capital H, that's the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. Amen. I got three points I want to make today. I'm going to make them as shortly as I know how, which, if you know me at all, isn't all that short. But I got three points I want to make today, and they're pointed. Number one, cling to Jesus, and they will hate you. I just want to get that out there. You got to know where you stand. There was an old military saying that says, know the ground you fight from. Don't back up in a fight because you can't see back there. Know where you stand and fight from where you stand. And I am here to tell you, you cling to Jesus because they will hate you. They will hate you because you love him and they hate him. That's the truth of the word of God. The word, the world hated Jesus before you. They will hate Jesus after you. They will hate you because of him. Why? Why? What did Jesus do? What did Jesus do that caused them to hate him? He loved them. His standard of love was so pure that it challenged them he says this John 15 16 
This I command you, that you love one another. The world hated Jesus because of his standard of love. One of my favorite verses, not my favorite verse, but one of my favorites is Proverbs 27, 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies his kisses. The truth will wound you. But an enemy will tell you, man, don't worry about that. It's going to be okay. It doesn't matter how you live. God loves you. God's not mad at you. Can I tell you, if you're in sin, God hates the sin in you. That's a truth we all need to come to come to terms with. God hates the sin in you. Because He loves you. And He sent His Son by proving He proved that love by sending His Son to die on a cross for you. Our responsibility is to love as He loved uncompromisingly tell them the truth it's okay to be uncomfortable telling the truth Jesus was uncomfortable telling the truth but he was comfortable enough to tell it we have to get to a place where we say I don't care what you think this is the truth this is the word of God I want you to be eternally in the presence of the almighty the holy God and the life that you're living will not allow that to happen and if you do that, they will hate you. Love them as Jesus loves you. Don't cling to your comfort over the truth. Am I being clear enough today? Jesus was never willing to compromise his convictions for the sake of convenience and popularity. Did you know to be a Christian is to act Christ-like? That's literally what the word means. And if he's not willing, if he wasn't willing to compromise his popularity for the truth, who are we? We need to do better. The church, when I say we, I mean the big C church. The people that call themselves saved Christians need to do better. We can do better. He wasn't willing to compromise for convenience and popularity. Nor should we. I think of the writings of Paul. Because I hear people say, or, or I know they think, I know I used to think, people don't hate me. I read this not long after I got saved for the first time, and I thought, people don't hate me. You know why? Because I wasn't bold yet. I think of the writings of Paul. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. Y'all know Paul, right? I love Paul's boldness. He says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexual, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. This isn't an all-inclusive list. This is a sampling list. But you know what he was willing to say? He goes, No unrighteousness will inherit the kingdom of God. If that hurts your feelings, get right. If it hurts your feelings, it's because the Spirit of God is dealing with you. If you feel like after you leave church that your toes have been stepped on, it's not my fault. I'm not literally reading your emails or your text messages. That's the Spirit of God telling you, you need to get that right. And that makes people fussy. I can't believe he said that to me. 
I didn't say it to you. The Spirit of God said it to you. He just used me to do it. We need to be a bold church. Paul prayed and asked the Ephesian church to pray for him that he have a boldness in declaring the truth. Boy, if the church started praying that, God, give me a boldness to declare your truth, to allow me to be uncompromised. But us, because we're Christian, we love this verse, man. We love these verses. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. Now, we're very selective about which parts of it we love. I've heard many of people say, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God, you homosexual. And they pick that sin because it's a sin they don't deal with. But can I tell you, adulterer, you're going to the same hell. Can I tell you, fornicator, you're going to the same hell. Can I tell you, liar, you're going to the same hell. Can I tell you, reviler, you're going to the same hell. Can I tell you, thief, you're going to the same hell. How about you stop trying to concern yourself with color and someone else's sin and just tell them the truth about how much God loves them and what he did for them, even if it means they hate you. I'd rather them hate me in heaven than hate me in hell. One of the things that terrifies me, because I can picture it in my head, people walking around hell looking for my face, asking me, why didn't you tell me the truth? And that should terrify you too. Well, people won't like me. They hated him. They'll hate you. Learn to be okay with it. Now, don't be offensive for the sake of being offensive. But don't compromise the truth. Our responsibility is still love them, serve them, and speak kindly to them. But the kindest thing, the best love that you can ever give them, the greatest service, is to cling to Jesus above your own comfort and tell them the truth of their situation and how Jesus died to get them out of their situation. So instead of being fussy about people hating us, how about we find joy in it? Sounds contradictory, right? You want me to be happy people hate me? If it means they're going to heaven, yes. It's exactly what I want. If it means that you're uncompromising the word of God, that's exactly what I want. I don't care if you're hated. God loves you. The only people on earth that hate me live in this town. I think. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Because the truth is worth their hate. Because in their hate, God will reveal the truth to them. So find joy in the hate. 1 Peter 4, 12, 13 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But that to the degree that you share the suffering of Christ, keep rejoicing, so that at the revelation of His glory, you may rejoice with exultation, which means rejoice with great celebration you know why i don't mind if i've hated because this as i've told you a thousand times is the application process for eternity ten thousand years from now i'm not going to remember much of this but i'm still going to be in the presence of the almighty god 
And for that, I celebrate. I greatly celebrate. I exult in the glory of the Lord because he's coming back for me. And I want to be found a slave waiting on his master. Come on, somebody. But be ready. But be ready to be hated. But being hated isn't the goal of our proclamation. But it will cause us to be persecuted. Not only will they hate you, they will persecute you. The second point I want to make is cling to Jesus and they will persecute you. Hate is the motivation. Persecution is the result. Just as they persecuted Jesus, they will persecute you. Jesus says in verses 20 through 25, no slave is greater than his master. I sit and I think about, I, was, I get here at 5 o'clock in the morning, most of you know that on Sundays, just so I can have some quiet time and pray and write notes on my notes and all that stuff. And I was thinking this morning, it wasn't in my notes, but I started thinking about Barabbas. You guys know who Barabbas is? Barabbas was the one that they, they set free instead of Jesus and crucified Jesus. And I heard all but my life growing up that Jesus was some crazy wild man. And that's the reason they let him go, because they hated Jesus above this crazy wild man. I want you to go back and read that story. They loved Barabbas because Barabbas loved what they loved. Barabbas was a revolutionary. He was in prison for insurrection. He was trying to overthrow Roman government. So he loved what they loved. People will always flock to the people that love what they love. Well, Jesus stands in contradiction to what the flesh loves. And so they would rather persecute than love what challenges them. Hmm, well, that's, that's big. They will persecute you. Expect to be persecuted. We should not expect better treatment from the world than Jesus got. I was doing some research this week, and I found that over the last 10 years, on average, there have been 100,000 Christians martyred across the, around the world every year. 100,000. That's not people that are beaten and all of that stuff. That's killed. 100,000 killed. There are, in fact, more martyrs for Christianity right now than any other time in history. You're all those third world countries. What happens there will come here. Before it's over, persecution will come here. I don't want you to Google it. Please don't. You don't need these images in your head. But all around the world, they're burying Christians up to their head, up to their shoulders, and stoning them to death. We, we in, our, in our finite mind, never seeing it, have an idea what that means. But imagine being buried up to your shoulders, unable to move, and men, full-grown men, 
chucking jagged rocks at your head until the skin tears away from the bone and your skull crushes and you eventually die. And all they would have to say is, I'm, no, I'm not a believer. I deny Jesus. And they'll live and they refuse. You know why? Because they expect to be hated and persecuted. I got a video not very long ago from a brother in India who videotaped his pastor friend being drugged into the prison by the police and beaten. And I'm not talking about a little America slapped around. I mean thrown to the ground, kicked and beaten severely. And all he'd had to do is deny Jesus. And he wouldn't do it. All around the world, they're putting Christians in cages like dog cages and setting them on fire. And all they have to do is say, I deny Jesus. And they won't do it. They're cutting their hands off. They're cutting their heads off. I'm not trying to be grotesque. I'm trying to tell you the reality of the world that we live in. They will persecute you. Why do I tell you these things? Because they will persecute you, but cling to Jesus. Cling to the truth. At the end of your life will be the end of your life, but the very beginning of eternity. Make a decision right now. What will I do when persecution comes? There's an old law enforcement military saying, I can't remember exactly how it goes, something like this. It says, if you don't have a plan to fight, you won't come up with a plan to win that fight during the fight. You need to plan to win. If this happens, then I'm going to do this. If this happens, then I'm going to do this. If this happens, then I'm going to do this. You need to have that kind of plan for persecution. If the enemy comes against me, even at the cost of my own life, make a decision right now that I will give up my life instead of compromising my convictions. Because if you don't make that decision now, you won't make it in time to do the, what you should be doing when it happens. My wife and I had that conversation with our girls when they were little. If people break into this house and say, you deny Jesus or we're going to kill your parents, we told them, you let them kill us and we will see you in heaven. Oh, man, that sounds morbid. Make the decision now because the world hated Jesus. The world will hate you. The world persecuted Jesus. The world will persecute you. Why? Because you're not better than the master you serve. They hate. They persecute. Why? Because it reveals them. It shows them who they are. It shows the wickedness, the ugliness, the tragedy that their life is. It causes them, causes them to have to make a decision. And no decision is still a decision, just so you know. I read a story recently of, a, of an African chief. You see, this African chief happened to be a woman. And she walks up on a missionary's tent. And as she walks up to the missionary's tent, nailed to a tree was a mirror. And as she walks past it, she looks into it, and she jumps back, frightened, because she'd never seen her own reflection before. And she looked at the missionary, and she says, What is this evil thing staring back at me? out of this tree the missionary explained to her that's not it's not coming out of the tree that's you that's your reflection that's who you are and she insists i must have it i want to buy it he said i, I don't want to sell it she said i must have it and she kept on and on and on she kept insisting until finally he just decided to give it to her 
She took it off the tree. She immediately threw it on the ground and she crushed it. She said, this evil thing will never look at me again. This is the condition of the church. This is the condition of the world. When we expose them for who they are according to the word of God, which is a mirror to us, we want to destroy those who tell us the truth because we will not have this evil thing look at us. That evil thing that's looking at us is us. And so they hate. But you know what? God loves us. And we're obligated to cling to Jesus and tell the truth. You know why? Because John 8.32 says, And you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Know that they hate him, and they'll hate you. Know that they persecuted him, and they will persecute you. But don't compromise the truth. Cling to the truth. Cling to Jesus. We have to. At the end of the day, man, we're all going to hell without him. Did you know you're going to hell default? Which means if Jesus never showed up, we would be destined to hell because um, Romans chapter 3 tells us no one is righteous. No, not one. Eternally separated from God is our default setting. John 3.16, everybody loves this verse. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I praise God for that. But the beauty is in verse 17 and 18. And it reads like this, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe in him has been judged already. We're born into a world of sin, but God. We're born condemned, but God justified us, redeemed us, sanctifies us. All of this at his own expense. It costs us nothing but the sin that we have to give up to be in relationship with him. So we need to cling to Jesus regardless of what it costs us. Because he clung to us regardless of what it cost him. And a slave is not above his master. Point three. What are we to do? Cling to Jesus and testify. 26 and 27 says, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He, the Holy Spirit, will testify about me. And I will testify, and you will testify also, Him talking to His disciples, because you have been with me from the beginning. They hadn't been with Him from the beginning. They had life before they met Jesus. They had been with him from the beginning of their time with Jesus. They had a life-changing encounter with Jesus. And from that beginning came their responsibility to testify to the goodness and the truth and the mercy of God. The Bible tells us that the Spirit will testify about him, and we will testify about him. The Spirit has equipped and empowered us to be like him, 
1 Corinthians 6.11. After speaking of verse 9 and 10 where I told you that great list of people that will not inherit the kingdom of God. The next verse, verse 11 says, Such were some of you. Such was some of me. Reviler. Fornicator. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of God. We have been equipped and empowered to tell others of Him. Acts 1.8 For you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea, Samaria and to the remotest parts of the earth. Our responsibility regardless of what it costs us is to cling to Jesus and testify of His goodness because we've been with Him since the beginning of His revelation to us. People say, Pastor Jim, I don't know if I can do that. That freaks me out. Do you know there's over 200 pastors in this county? Isn't that crazy? You know why I think that is? Because there are people in this county that won't listen to me. I don't have the story they need to hear. Maybe you hold the story they need to hear. Maybe your I was, but God, I am story is the testimony they need to hear to believe that God would be willing to do the same for them. I was this horrible thing, but God showed up in my life. And now I am completely different. I get asked, or I used to get asked pretty regular when I was the police, why do you, why do you go to that church? Don't you know the pastor there killed somebody? He's like, yeah, I was saved under his testimony. I gave my life to the Lord during his testimony. You know why? Because I've never killed anybody. If God saved him, there's hope for me. What story are you hidden? Are you keeping hidden that someone else needs to hear because you're scared? that they're going to hate you for it. If you want to be liked, go sell ice cream. If you want to do what God told you to do, expect hatred and persecution. Because this is how we overcome. Revelation tells us, 12.11, they overcame him, the enemy, because of the Lamb, because of the work of God, because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. Is that you? Do you love your life so much that you'd be willing to hold on to it at the expense of someone else's hell? Or maybe even your own? It's not me. Angela and I have made our decision. I pray for supernatural boldness and courage and strength. But we have said in our heart, and I'm not, I'm not trying to sound tough up here, but we have said in our heart, set us on fire. Beat us with rods. Do, what, do whatever it is you'll have us do. But we will not deny our Christ. This is where the church needs to get to and recognize that people all around us are dying 
for not hearing the truth that we hope. So I challenge you today, as pointedly as I, th- as I know how, don't shrink back. Trust the God that saved you in the face of hatred and persecution. Know that your sacrifice, like Christ's sacrifice, is worth it. It will be worth it. Let go of your comfort. Cling to Jesus. And let me ask you a very pointed question. God has called us to proclaim the gospel. Angela and I and the group of folks that started Launch Point Church, and I may have already said this, determined that we would be a church that was deep over wide, which means if we had four people that were willing to stand firm, be unshakable, immovable for the cause of Christ, we would prefer that over a big church that was unconvictional. We have to be about the Father's business. And so I'm going to ask you a question. Are you willing to tell people the truth, even at your own expense, even at your own comfort? Are you willing to cling to Jesus even in the face of persecution? If you're willing to say yes, I want you to stand with me. I want you to stand with me as a proclamation that it doesn't matter what the world comes to. It doesn't matter what the world does to me. And please don't stand if you can't make this declaration. I'm not condemning you. I just want to know who I'm talking to. At the expense of my own life, if that's what it costs me, I will stand for Jesus. I will cling to the truth because I want to pray for you because that's going to take a special kind of boldness. That's going to take a special kind of pointedness, a special kind of conviction. I thank you for who you are. I praise God that he sends people here that have a desire that people know him more than they have a desire for their own life. Let us pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we love you. God, I look across this room and I believe that the declaration they've made by standing is exactly what they mean, that they're willing to be hated, that they're willing to be persecuted, not because they're hateful or or because they persecute, but because they're unwilling to compromise the truth of who you are. They're unwilling to make the truth soft. God, I ask, Heavenly Father, that you give them, just as Paul prayed to the Ephesian church, ask that you give them a boldness and a courage to speak the truth. That you give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know who to speak to, how to speak, and when to speak. God, that you give them eyes to see ears to hear, hands and feet to move towards and love those that are so desperately in need of that truth, of you. I thank you for your son, Jesus, that he died for us, that he loves us enough to have come here and declared, these shall and these shall not, so that we will absolutely know what we are to say. Give us the boldness to not water it down, God, so that you may be glorified. I ask that you bless them, watch over them, protect their house. The enemy doesn't like such a declaration, but we don't live to please him. We live to please you. Let us be people on purpose. We praise you, God, because we know that you answer prayers. We praise you, God, because you love us. We praise you, God, because you proved your love for us. I send in your son, Jesus, to die for us. 
while we were still sinners. Let us be willing to lay ours down too so that others may know who you are. We praise you and we thank you, God, because you are glorious and deserve praise. In Jesus' name, amen.